Good morning, Pats Nation. What's going on? It's your boy Ray here. Welcome to the Dear Pats Nation podcast called Good Morning, Pats Nation. It is Monday, January 18th. If you are watching this as soon as it comes out, it is 5 a.m. If you're watching it later, good morning, happy afternoon, good evening, or good night. Thank you for being here today. So Josh McDaniels interviewed with the Philadelphia Eagles. What does that mean for the Patriots going forward? The NFL treated us, as always, to a fantastic divisional round weekend in the NFL. The Boston Celtics, well, they got blown out by the New York Knicks. We're wondering, can the New England Patriots really compete in the 2021 season? The Patriots are heading into one of their their most important, crucial off-seasons in the history of the Bill Belichick era. Probably the most important draft since 1993 when they drafted Drew Bledsoe. And I got to ask, is Mac Jones the Patriots' next quarterback? And Saturday night, the Boston Bruins lost an absolute heartbreaker to the New Jersey Devils. Pass Nation, welcome to the podcast. And here we are having fun back again for another podcast here on this Monday morning. Not always a fan of Monday mornings, but it is what it is. Talking about the New England Patriots, just for full disclosure for everybody. I have began watching Boston Celtics and Boston Bruins games. I will be also paying attention to the Boston Red Sox as their offseason goes on. Spring training comes in and the season starts, whenever that may be. I'm not a fan of the Celtics. I'm not a fan of the Bruins. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not a hockey fan whatsoever. I used to watch a lot of hockey. Stopped watching about 2010. I watch a lot of basketball. I'm from Toronto, so I have a soft spot for the Raptors. Didn't really have a team prior to the Raptors coming into the NBA. Didn't really watch basketball at that time. But I am trying to expand as a broadcaster, a podcaster, and a news guy. I know that the majority of my fan base is from Boston and cover all those sports. I know that our boy Tyson over at Master at Work, who comes on with us Monday nights live at 9 p.m. Eastern time, which you can catch tonight, he watches the Celtics. And we all know that Connor is a big Boston Bruins fan, so we'll touch base with him too. Sarah also watches the Boston Celtics, so we'll talk to her. Thank you all for coming in. Let's talk with our first story here, and that's Josh McDaniels, who interviewed with the Philadelphia Eagles this week. Obviously, Doug Peterson and the Eagles, they parted ways, uh, I believe. I know that a lot of people are believing that it was the Eagles that fired him. I've been under the impression the whole time that it was Doug Peterson that kind of just gave them the finger and walked away. Story is, he wanted to go with Jalen Hurts. The Philadelphia ownership, they want to go with Carson Wentz. Well, I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me considering that the Philadelphia Eagles put in a ton of money into that guy, invested the future dead cap galore. Now they need someone who can come in and fix them, and is that man Josh McDaniels? I know that they're also interviewing a bunch of other guys. Uh, I believe Mayo was interviewed for that job. Now the next is the Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator. But let's go under the impression for a second here. Let's pretend that Josh McDaniels gets a job. And I've made it pretty clear that after how poor the Patriots offense played this year, Josh McDaniels was going to need to come out 
And if he got a job this year, take it. Because if the Patriots offense is bad again last year, his stock is going to fall. What happens if he does take the job? What happens to the Patriots? I mean, we could discuss how we think things are going to go in Philadelphia. I think they got a lot of issues there that McDaniels would have to sort through. He's probably got the offensive mind to fix Carson Wentz. Things didn't work out in Denver for McDaniels. Perhaps he's going to go in with a different kind of attitude. We'll have to see. At the end of the day, some guys are meant to be coordinators. Some guys are meant to be coaches. I think what would be smart of McDaniels is to go in and not act like Bill Belichick. That's the big thing. Don't go in there and be Bill Belichick. Go in and be Josh McDaniels. But what does that mean for the Patriots? I know that there's a lot of people who have been frustrated with McDaniels over the last three, four, five years. There were times that he got a little vanilla in his play calling. I know in 2019, I was a big defender of McDaniels. I believed it was more the players not executing the plays. But this season in 2020, I don't think that McDaniels did a great job. I really don't. The Patriots just telecasted their plays, as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely telecasted what they were going to do. And that's an issue for me. It's a big issue for me because when you break it all down, maybe if Cam Newton could throw the football a little bit more, use Nikhil Harry a little bit better in the red zone, perhaps things are a little bit more successful. But when you just keep pounding the ball every, you know, three times in a row trying to run the football, people start to catch on to what you need to do. I don't know who the Patriots, I know the first question is going to be, who do the Patriots get if McDaniel's gone? Eh, That's not up to me to decide, right? Not right now. It's something we can have a discussion for going down the road. But I'm wondering if perhaps it's just time for McDaniels to move on, bring in some fresh blood into New England, especially if they're going to bring in a young quarterback. The only time that I think this really becomes an issue is depending who the quarterback is. And we're going to talk about a quarterback today that actually could use a Josh McDaniels system. The one thing that's good about the Patriots, though, is we saw it when McDaniels went to Denver, when Bill O'Brien stepped in, became the offensive coordinator, Charlie Weiss, when he was the offensive coordinator. There's already sort of a system in place there that I think the next guy could come in, make his own, but still follow what the Patriots have done, especially if you bring in a quarterback who has a similar type of style of Tom Brady. Obviously, nobody's going to come in and be Tom Brady. It's, It's a big deal to the Patriots, but I don't know how big of a deal it is. Hope you guys enjoyed football this weekend. Obviously no football tonight. We're now getting ready for the championship games. You're going to have the Green Bay Packers hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You're going to have the Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Buffalo Bills. But there was a whole lot of things that went down in these games. Obviously the Packers had the first game yesterday, defeated the LA Rams 32-18. to You know, I'm going to say that The game was never in question to me when I watched the game. I know that the Rams look like they're making a bit of a comeback. But that Packers team just seemed to be in control the whole time. Akers ran the football a little bit. Green Bay did so well. And it just, to me, it it, it was, the, the game was never in doubt. Aaron Rodgers had a good game. He goes 23 for 36, 296, two touchdowns, no interceptions, had a a passer rating of 108.1. 
We wondered if the pay, or if Green Bay would go out and run the football. Aaron Jones runs it for 99 yards. Jamal Williams for 65 yards. A.J. Dillon added another 27. Jalen Ramsey took away Devontae Adams. He still got nine catches for 66 yards, but then Alan Lazard comes in with four catches for 96, and he dropped one that should have been another touchdown. Tanyan got involved with four catches. This Green Bay team has just looked so complete. And they just beat what was probably one of the best defenses in the NFL. Saturday night's game that I was hoping was going to be the matchup of a lifetime uh, wasn't. Buffalo <laughs> Buffalo beats Baltimore 17-3. to Almost very similar to the divisional round when Baltimore got knocked out to Tennessee. 340 yards, 150 of those on the ground, 190 in the air. They put up three points. Buffalo, who's had this sort of potent offense this year, only put up 220 total yards, 32 rushing yards, 188 passing yards. If Buffalo wants to be successful in the playoffs, they're going to have to do more. But Baltimore lost five fumbles plus an interception, six turnovers in the game you know we were live tonight and people were saying that buffalo didn't win that game well they did win the whole thing is you know my dad used to always tell me you got to be good to be lucky and buffalo's gotten a little bit of lucky down the stretch they've also played two of the better defenses against the indianapolis colts and the baltimore ravens i think they're gonna have a little bit of an easier time moving the ball against the kansas city chiefs the chiefs who beat Baltimore or beat the cleveland browns 22 to 17 today I mean, we'll get into the matchup in a second, but obviously the big news of that game, Patrick Mahomes leaving in the third quarter in concussion protocol right now, did not return to the game. The tackle, he was kind of tackled by the neck, went down, smashed his head off the ground. I know when I was looking on Twitter, a lot of Chiefs fans expected him to return, but he didn't return. And now his availability for next week's game against Buffalo is in question. Chad Henney's going to have to come out and lead that team. I mean, and, and Cleveland real. I mean, Cleveland really made a mistake punting the football uh, at one point. But I mean, it's going to be a tough game, and you just expected Kansas City to come out and just be on fire. Well, they had 315 passing yards, 438 total yards, 123 rushing yards. They had 24 first downs, but only scored 22. They got a tough Buffalo team coming in. I think that. If you are the Kansas City Chiefs, you're you're kind of curious about what this Buffalo team's going to do to you, especially, and you're probably nervous if you're a Chiefs fan that Pat Mahomes isn't going to show up. Now, the game that uh, was on last night, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the New Orleans Saints, Tampa wins 30-20. to Absolute fantastic game by the Tampa Bay defense. Picked off Drew Brees three times. They also forced a fumble. And at the end of the day, I mean, Tampa Bay ends up with 316 total yards. Tom Brady only threw for 189. 127 yards coming out of Tampa Bay. Great game. I mean, in fairness to Brady, he had some balls dropped. Chris Godwin dropped a what should have been touchdown play. I know people are pointing out the Rob Gronkowski drop, but it was good. It was, it was good uh, play by the defender. A couple other drops throughout the game. 
I think Tom Brady's. I think the pay, the the Bucks' longest play, like going into like midway through the second quarter, was a a, a Jones run for eleven yards. Uh, the game wasn't good, as far as I'm concerned. It wasn't a great game. I think we were expecting this huge just matchup. There, I think there was a nostalgic good to the game with Brady versus Breeze, but both quarterbacks look old. And, and you know, you had too many drops on Tampa Bay's side, not Brady's fault, but this came down to defenses and it came down to turnovers. And I think, you know, one of the bigger differences is they kept picking off Breeze. The Saints' defense dropped two interceptions, didn't force a fumble, and now you got the Packers and Bucks. You got the Chiefs and Bills. Brady obviously trying to go to a Super Bowl without Bill Belichick so that we can just rave on with the debate between Brady and Belichick. Brady trying to be, I think, only the third quarterback to go to a Super Bowl with a different team, with two different teams. The Chiefs trying to return to the Super Bowl. And the Buffalo Bills trying to get back for the first time since the 90s, since they went to four in a row and lost. Buffalo, Kansas City, Green Bay, Bucks. We'll get more into those games as those weeks go on, but it's going to probably be some good games. Now, as I mentioned, I have began paying attention to basketball for you guys, and the Celtics played the Knicks today and got absolutely thrashed 105-75. to And I know Orlando's not a great team, but when I watched the Celtics play Orlando on Friday night compared to how they looked against the ninth place New York Knicks, it, it was night and day. But, but the Celtics, they gave away too many balls. 16 total turnovers. And I just, I watched the Knicks just get open shots. Open shots all over the place. The Celtics shot 29% on their field goals, 15% on their three-pointers, and they only had 62% on free throws. Jalen Brown had 25 points, six rebounds, three assists. He was he was the guy today. He was the guy today. It, everything just looked flat for Boston if you watch the game. It just looked like an absolute flat game, and... I don't really know what else to say. Julius Randle scored 20 points with 12 rebounds, and R.J. Barrett had 19 and 11 on Sunday to help the New York Knicks snap a five-game lose streak and beat the Boston Celtics. Jalen Brown scored 25, which had uh, one. Uh, Boston had won five in a row, but suffered its biggest blowout and lowest-scoring output of the season. All-star point guard Kemba Walker made his season debut after missing the first 11 games with a left knee injury, but left in the third quarter after hurting his ribs. Fellow Boston All-Star Jason Tatum missed the second straight game with COVID-19. The Knicks led by as many as 11 in the first quarter, but made it 15 in the second before scoring the first 10 points in the third quarter and opening up a 58-35 leads. The Celtics never got closer to 18 after that. So obviously a disappointing loss for the Celtics. They're going to be back at it. When are they going to be back at it? You think I would have uh you think I would have looked at this <laughs> before I 
before I uh, started talking about the game, I'm lost now. I'm completely, I'm way too far. I'm way too far. I don't know where we are. I'm on the wrong date. There we go. Uh, the Celtics will be back at it this week, hopefully. There we go. There we go. For those of you listening, I apologize. This is just stupid in my mind. I wasn't, I should have been ready for this. <laughs> They'll be back at it uh, this week. And uh, here we go. The 20th of January uh, when they're going to be, so that's on Wednesday. They're going to be taking on Philadelphia at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Then they'll take them on again at Philadelphia again on Friday. And guys, before we go any further, I just want to remind all of you that Good Morning Pats Nation is brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Barber Company. Visit RockyMountainBarber.com and get all the products you need to take care of your hair, beard, and skin. Get their small batch, all-natural beard bombs and oils, pre-shave oils, lotions, hair products, razor blades, and so much more. Visit Rocky Mountain Barber Company and use the promo code RAYROUTE and save 5% off all your orders. Get your small batch hygiene products at RockyMountainBarber.com. Dear Pats Nation is also brought to you by Manscaped.com. You can get your male hygiene and grooming tools and take care of everything below your belt from manscaped.com and use the promo code RayRoute and you'll save yourself 20% and get free international shipping. So take care of your boys and get all of your male hygiene and grooming tools at manscaped.com. All right, guys, Con guys Connor and I were live uh, last night at 9 p.m. Eastern time and we were asking the question, can the Patriots really be competitive in 2021? The New England Patriots had one of their, well, they had they had their worst season since twenty thousand since two thousand yeah <laughs> in twenty twenty. Um, a lot of Patriot fans are excited and they think that the Patriots can come back and turn around in twenty twenty one. The Patriots have sixty million dollars in cap space and fifteenth overall pick, and here we go. Uh, dude, I'm reading a lot of things, though, with a lot of experts saying Patriot fans are fooling themselves. Like, they're not going to turn this around in one season. And the arguments are starting to become compelling. So I'm going to throw it out to you, Connor. Can the Patriots really be competitive during the 2021 season? There are a lot of question marks, man. We're going to have to see what they're able to do in free agency. We're going to have to be able to see what they're able to do in the draft. Um, I think they can definitely be competitive because they went 7-9, and nine, and I expect them to improve next season. Although I did see something today, I think it was from Mike Reese, where he said he was not confident that Hightower would return, and that makes me very nervous because – one of their biggest things is obviously linebacker. And if they can't figure out how to stop the run, if he doesn't come back and they're not able to fix the defensive line, I think teams are going to run all over the Patriots again next year. And that's very concerning for me. How do you think Bill Belichick is going to attack this offseason? Like, what's he going to address in free agency? What's he going to address at the draft? How do you think he's going to move around those or use the assets he has both in salary cap? Does he trade Stephon Gilmore? Mm -hmm. If you're Bill Belichick kind of planning out this season, or you're trying to put yourself in Bill Belichick's head of what you think he's going to do, what do you, what kind of, you don't have to give me specific players or anything, yeah. but how do you think? I, he's I would trade, I would probably trade Gilmore unless there was no, there wasn't a good price for him. Okay. So then what do you address in free agency and what do you address during the draft? Free agency, I'm going after a wide receiver, prob probably two. You have to be aggressive. There's no way we can have another season out there with Jacoby Myers being the number one, no nothing against him at all, and 
you know, Demir Bird starting games. We just can't have that happen again. Whoever it is, I, I know uh, Corey Davis is a great option. If he decides Allen Robinson, he goes out and trades for OBJ. They need to also pick up a lower tier person. I think like Nelson Aguilar, somebody like that. They need to solidify themselves at the wide receiver position. Um, tight ends, I want to see what Dalton Keene and Asiasi are able to to do but i wouldn't be surprised if he drafted pits in the first round and then as far as quarterback goes um i think he needs to bring in a veteran and also draft a rookie would you address a tight end how would you where would you address tight end probably in the draft i i want wide receivers addressed in free agency so then tight end in the draft unless he has faith that devin asiasi is going to take a big step forward this season so you're looking at the draft focusing on defense yeah, pretty much. I, I want wide receivers that are – I don't want to go to the draft of wide receivers anymore. I want people who we already know can play in the NFL. All right, and I'm going to – I'm going to throw out uh, the big question you didn't address. <laughs> Who's playing quarterback for the Patriots in 2021? Brian Hoyer? Jared God, I, God, I hope not. I don't want to see either of them out there. Um, I think it is going to probably be a veteran. I don't really have that much interest in Fitzpatrick. Um I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they, they get Jimmy G. I think the 49ers are going to cut him, and I think Belichick's going to try and reunite with him. I wouldn't be shocked at all if it was Jimmy G. Um, Matt Stafford, I'm not against. Or if they have to sign Cam Newton again, I'm not totally against that either. But I think they need a veteran and also to draft a rookie. All right, guys, if you want to watch that entire stream, you can see that on our YouTube page right now. It's also up on Sportscaster until it'll be there until February 28th when we end our relationship with Sportscaster. Uh, listen, as I talked about at the beginning, the Patriots are heading into their most crucial draft of all time. And one of the things that I talked about with Connor tonight was if Bill Belichick doesn't take a quarterback in the first round of the draft, does that force Robert Kraft to put him on the hot seat? And Connor didn't really have a good answer for me. Now, I know we've already talked about this guy, but a lot of people are saying that Mac Jones is the Patriots' next quarterback. And Mike Reese of ESPN kind of asked about that too when he said, Big Mac for Patriots. When ESPN's draft analyst, Todd McShay, released his first mock draft of the 2021 NFL Draft last week and slotted Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields to the Patriots at number 15, he said on the first draft podcast that the most common feedback was on that pick. Many doubt Fields will be there, and McShay acknowledged as much. His mock draft included trade, didn't include trades while also sharing his opinion that Fields isn't quite ready. A more likely scenario of the Patriots, and equally a compelling, uh, compelling in some cases, is Alabama quarterback Mac Jones at number 15, or in a minor trade down. McShay described him as a super intelligent with pocket presence and someone who feels things, anticipates, and gets the ball out. Those have traditionally been high on the Patriots' list of must-haves when evaluating quarterbacks. But what Jones, 36 of 45 for 464 yards and five touchdowns in the national championship game, offers in those areas is offset in part by his lack of mobility or a standout physical trait. As the NFL has transitioned to more quarterbacks who threaten defenses with their arms and legs, Jones is a throwback and more of a pure pocket passer. 
10 years ago, Jones would have been a top 10 pick in McShay's view. After a recent evaluation, McShay plans to have Jones in the top 20. So how much do the Patriots value a dual threat in their next quarterback to keep up with their uh, where the NFL is headed? That question will be answered by Coach Bill Belichick, who affinity for Nick Saban's Alabama players is well documented. Offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach Josh McDaniels will also have a major say. Add it all up, and a possible Jones-Patriots marriage is amongst the draft's most fascinating storylines. Now, for those of you who are interested, here's what the Draft Network says about Mac Jones. Here's his profile. It says, after the injury to Tua Tango Viola during the 10th game of the 2019 season, Jones was forced to enter the lineup as the starting quarterback moving forward. Showing positive signs during the team's final three games, he entered 2020 as the unquestioned starter, even though the program signed a highly touted five-star recruit to be their heir apparent. During his junior season, Jones displayed many of the traits that he demonstrated during the three-game backstretch of his sophomore campaign. A bit of a slender thrower, Jones doesn't possess a hint of definition or muscle in his body structure. A clear leader and very smart player at the position. He understands where all options are when going through progressions. Having a clear understanding of object reads that involve run-pass options as well as multiple level possessions. He's well-seasoned with the verbiage and variety of concepts that will be required for him at the next level. Containing average arm strength, he's an underrated deep passer that's able to layer the ball into adequate spots for the premier targets. As an anticipatory thrower, he's well above average with about to be open throws of where he releases the ball while estimating where the targets are going to be. Balance and savvy within the pocket are top tier traits. He has an excellent mover with within the pocket and knows how to create windows of opportunity to release throws with cleaner views than previously offered. Jones isn't a passer that will make a living creating off-script plays outside of structure, but he has enough mobility to take advantage of the grass offered to him. Jones is a passer that will need the three Ps surrounding him, playmakers, play caller, protection, at high-tier levels in order to see his full potential on a consistent basis, as he isn't a thrower that will be able to overcome those elements being a low-tier level. They have his ideal role as a low-tier starting quarterback, his scheme fit as a West Coast or Earnhardt Perkins offensive system, quick rhythms, base throws with periodic deep shots down the field. If that doesn't sound like a New England Patriots offense, I don't know what it sounds like. And finally, getting into our last subject of the night, the Boston Bruins had a heartbreaker Saturday night against the New Jersey Devils. I watched the game. I thought Yaroslav Halak had a great game. Here's the recap. It says Igor Sharanovich scored his first NHL goal in the final seconds of overtime to propel the New Jersey Devils to a 2-1 victory over the Boston Bruins on Saturday. Mackenzie Blackwood made 27 saves and, and picked up the first vict his first victory of the season. Miles Wood also scored for the second consecutive game for New Jersey. Boston's Patrice Bergeron scored uh, and scored and Yuroslav Halak made 29 saves including two critical stops in the final minutes of the third period to force the extra session so I should say this did come from the Associated Press Devils defenseman 
Damian Severon made a nifty backhanded pass at the edge of the offensive zone to set up the 22-year-old Shagernovich with 1.7 seconds remaining in overtime. Bergeron evened the score with a shorthanded goal at 17-16 of the second period. Brad Marchand won a puck battle against Devils forward Kyle Palmieri before setting up the new captain of the Bruins. Boston appeared to lie the game shortly before, before Bergeron's strike, but the game's officials ruled Blackwood was unable to make the save due to incidental contact. Bruins coach Bruce Cassidy unsuccessfully challenged the play, which led to the bench minor. Wood opened the scoring with a redirection at 6.15 for the first period. Jack Hughes maintained possession of the puck while the rest of his teammates completed a change before Ty Smith shot from the point tipped past Halak. Wood netted his first of the season in a shootout loss Thursday. He was also penalized twice for goaltender interference in the contest, which proceeded with the fight with Bruins defenseman Kevin Miller 19 seconds into the game on Saturday. Craig Smith made his debut with Boston after signing a three-year $99.3 million contract this offseason. He missed the opener due to a lower body injury. The 31-year-old forward played the prior nine seasons with the Nashville Predators. Look, it was a good game. Yurislav Halak played really, really well. If you're a Bruins fan, I think you got to be happy what you have in goaltending in Boston. Uh, Brad Marchand, honestly, the way he set up Bergeron for that goal, I think every hockey team, every hockey coach, and every hockey player should play like Brad Marchand. I think every team wish they had him. It was just pure hustle, pure grit, pure strength that absolutely set up that game for the win. With that being said, guys, enjoy your Monday. That's it for Good Morning Pats Nation. Hope you enjoyed this Boston Sports Talk. We'll be back at it tomorrow on Tuesday night. Until then, it's your boy Ray. Make sure you come back 9 p.m. Eastern Time Monday night. We'll be back Tuesday morning, not Tuesday night. We'll be back at 5 a.m. Tuesday morning. Make sure you tune in tonight, Monday, January 18th at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Connor and Tyson and I will be on there talking Patriots, talking Celtics. Maybe some Red Sox news. Who knows? And then make sure you download the podcast on Spotify and all those other places. Until then, take care. See ya.